Okay. <clears throat> this is for Thursday of Parsha's term. So, Moshe is continuing recounting from the travelings of the 40 years, and now we're at the 40th year. Right? We've already been schlepping around this mountain for 38 years, and now we're ready to actually move into Eretz Yisrael. We're in the 40th year, so Hashem says it's enough just traveling around this mountain. Go north. As Rashi explains, face north, meaning now they're going along the eastern side of the land of Mayav, traveling northward. And in Pasuk Dalid, tell the people you're traveling the boundary of your brother B'nai Esav, that's well in Seir, they will be scared of you. And the Pasa concludes, you should take great care. So the question is, what do you mean you should take great care? You just said they're going to be scared of us. What's our issue? So Rashi says, what does it mean to be careful? Be careful, don't, don't start off with them. Don't provoke them. That's what Hashem is asking. Don't make them, you know, don't push them. Don't make them more fearful. As the next Pasa continues, don't provoke them. Because I'm not giving... You their land, and midrach kaf rego. Even as Rashi explains the pshat explanation, even the stepping of the foot, because this is an inheritance to Asaph. I gave them harseir. So Rashi says, what's this ad midrach kaf rego? And Rashi gives two explanation: pshat and drash. In a sense, actually, the drash is more literal. The pshat translates ad as asilu even. Well, the Medrash translates ad more literally as until. The Pshat is even the stepping of a foot, you can't go on their land. And, then, of course, that's confusing because we know that Moshe asked Edom to travel through, which would be directly going against this. Rashi clarifies you can't go through, you can't even step on the land without their permission, meaning even though you're stronger, even though they're terrified of you, you could just walk through their land. I mean, they're not going to start up. They're scared of you. No, I don't give you permission. The Medrash is odd until, until we step on their land, until we trample their land, so to speak, by Mashiach. And the Pasuk said, because as an inheritance to Esav, I gave Harseir. So the question is, why do we have to use the word inheritance? I gave Esav Harseir. So Rashi explains this really is an inheritance issue, that Avraham was given ten nations, seven of which the Jews received and three of which, the Kani, Knizi, and Kadmaini, we did not receive. We will not receive till Mashiach. In the interim, who got these three nations? So these three nations were gifted temporarily to Amon, Moav, and Esav. So Esav inherited Seir. This is his Yerusha, so to speak, from Avraham. And Amon and Moav, of course, are the children of Lot, and in the reward for Lot not protesting and saying that truly Sarah was Avram's wife, when, when they went to Mitzrayim and Avram said, she's my sister, his reward was that since we could not get these lands to Mashiach, his descendants got them in the interim. But the point being here, it is a Yerusha. That's why the Pesach uses that word. It's Esau's Yerusha from Avram until Mashiach, when we'll be able to take possession of these lands. The next Pasuk, Pasuk Vav, buy food from them with money, eat it, buy water from them, drink it. And Rashi says the Shurish Tichru means to buy as is used in certain places. 
Pasuk Zion, because, so here we just said buy from them food and drink, because Hashem blessed you. You know, as you've gone through this desert these 40 years, you didn't lack anything. So this seems a little odd, like what's what's the link here? The previous Pasuk said buy food, because Hashem blessed you. That would seem like incongruous. If Hashem blessed you, what do I need Asaph's food for? But Rashi is explaining, Hashem blessed you, you have a lot of money. You know, sometimes people act like they're poor when they're not. Hashem blessed you, you have loads of money. Don't be cheap, spend your money and buy the food. Show that you're wealthy, show that Hashem blessed you. Okay, so those were all those words. And now Moshe is now continuing like the, the storyline. So we pass by our brothers Esav and Seir, and then we turn to Moshev. So we turned, Rashi explains, means now we're going north. So now we're going to travel along the eastern side, as we've explained last week. They went, ac- they went across the whole Ace of Moab boundary. And now they're going northernly, which means now they're going around the eastern boundary of Moab. And Hashem said to me, now this is in terms of Moab, Atatzeres Moab, don't distress Moab. Don't provoke them for war because I'm not giving you their land as an inheritance because I gave it to Lot or as an inheritance. So Rashi says, the Pusik said very specifically, don't provoke them for war, which means basically the Pusik is forbidding us to fight Moab, but not to scare them, which is why it says the Moabites were scared of us. That's what went into the whole Misa with Bilaam and was because Moab was scared of us. They were scared that we were going to conquer them. But Rashi compares this to how we treated Ammon. Because by Ammon, who, as we're going to see, were directly north of Moab, it doesn't say don't provoke them for war. It says don't provoke them at all. In other words, war, Rashi is saying, is minimizing. Only in terms of war you can't do, but you can do other things. But by Ammon, just says don't start up. So you can't start up at all. Now, why? Why, by Moab, we couldn't fight them, but we couldn't make them scared of us. But by Amma, we can't start up at all. And Rashi says this is a reward. Moab and Ammon are descendants of Lot's daughter's relationship with Lot. So Lot's older daughter called her child Moab, Moab, from the father, which is very, very, very immodestly displaying what happened there. Lloyd's second daughter said, Amon, my nation. She didn't explicitly say the horrible thing that happened to father the nation of Amon. So because of her modesty and not, you know, disgracing herself in public over this, Hashem rewarded her that we were nicer and more circumspect in how we dealt with her children, that they weren't scared of us at all, which is we see actually what happened that Moya was really scared of us is why they went and tried to hire Bilam and why they allowed their daughters to seduce us. They were really scared of us. But we don't see Amun at all, like, getting involved. Like, why not? Well, because we knew we couldn't start up at all, so they truly weren't scared of us. The end of the book it says, why can't you do anything here? Because I gave this to R as Yerusha. And Rashi clarifies R is the name of the country, because the person can get confused, because R looks like ear, or might seem to be a form of ear. Ear means a city. 
but it wouldn't really make sense to say because I gave the children of Moab a city as Yerusha. Like, what city? What are you talking about? And also because we're saying you can't inherit the land. So you can't inherit the land because the Moabites got a city doesn't also really work. So therefore, Rashi clarifies, no, 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 R actually here is an ear. It's R. It's the name of the whole country. So now we're discussing this, these countries here. And in Pasuk Yud, we say, previously the Amim lived there, a great people like giants. Now, Branch explains, why are we going to this whole idea, like, what do we care what Goyim lived in the land, the Moab, before the Moabites lived there? So Rashi says, because you think that where Moab lives now, part of that land was the land of the Rephaim, Rephaim were giants, that Avraham received as one of the ten nations was the Rephaim. And hey, the Rephaim we get. So Moab has the land of the Rephaim. Hey, we can conquer that land. So Rashi is saying, no, 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 no. These Rephaim are the same Rephaim. The Rephaim, the giants that Avraham received, are not the Rephaim, the Amim, that I drove away, and instead the Bnei Lot, Moab, settled in that land. So you do not have rights to it. The next verse continues. There, these Amim, we're talking about these Amim, these Amim are also considered like Rephaim, like giants. And the Moabites were the ones that actually called them Amim. So Rashi clarifies. Why did we call these giants Rifaim? Because Rifaim is from the idea of Rifion, of weak. Because when someone sees a giant, they become weak. They're terrified. Which is the same reason Amim, why did the Moabites call them Amim? Amim is from the word Ama, fear. That when people saw the giants, they were very fearful. Next Pasuk. And in Seir, where the children of Asaph lived, Previously, the Chayrim lived there, and the Asaph drove them away, they destroyed them, and they took over. Just as the Yidin are going to do to the land they're going to receive. So Rashi explains Yirashum to drive them away, meaning it's the present tense of I gave them strength to gradually be able to drive them out. Meaning what Rashi's point is based on the grammar that Yerushalm is like present perfect tense. Ongoing present tense, meaning it didn't happen in one shot. It's something that gradually over time the children of Edom were able to drive out the Chayrim, that this was their land, and that they took over Harseir. So now that we went through a little bit of the, you know, if we want to call it history or the, the nations that were here before, so now Hashem continues, okay, now get up, cross Nachal Zared, and Moshe says, yes, we traveled and we crossed Nachal Zared. And then Moshe is continuing this travel journey, and we traveled from Kadesh Barnea until we crossed Nachal Zared. This was 38 years. In other words, as we did at the end of yesterday's portion of Chumash, of Wednesday's portion, that after the decree of the spies, there were 38 years where they were just draying around. They were wandering around around the Kadesh Barnea area. 19 years they were properly in Kadesh Barnea, and another 19 years they, were, they weren't really going anywhere because, again, they, they, were, they just had to pass their time in the desert until the generation dried out. 
as this Pusik explains, that uh, we had to wait 30 years until the entire generation of men di- that Hashem swore about died out, and the next Pusik continues, even the hand of Hashem was on them to, to confound them, like to push them through. And Rashi explains, this means like to sort of hurry up and make sure they die within these 40 years, because again, Hashem had made a shvua that they couldn't go to Eretz Yisrael. So, Klai Yisrael wouldn't be able to get into Eretz Yisrael until every one of these men died. So therefore, Hashem pushed, so to speak, a sort of chesed that's, an, that's expressed as a gvura, to make sure they would all die out before, before the 40 years so the Jews wouldn't be held back more in the desert because of them. And then the next book continues, so when they all finished dying out, meaning all these men that had to die out before the Jews could enter at Yisrael, then Hashem spoke to me saying, and Rashi says here that there's a specific concept here that from the sending of the spies, meaning for 38 years, Hashem didn't speak to me in the way of a yidaber eidlai. Vayidaber Eli has a special, like, face-to-face relationship. Why was Hashem, of course, Hashem spoke to Moshe in these 38 years, but not in Vayidaber Eli. There was Vayomer, there was Vayidaber, there was Vayomer Eli, but Vayidaber Eli didn't happen for 38 years. Because that expresses a special face-to-face connection, and that intimacy, that very close relationship, Moshe had in the merit of Kual Yisrael. So if Kual Yisrael was, so to speak, in this pushed-away state, you know, this, like, you know, punished state, then also Moshe couldn't have that same relationship because the prophecy was in the merit of the Jewish people. So now it's at the end. Now the people have died out. And now, once again, it could be Vayedaber Eli. And there where it says, until all the people of war passed away. So Rashi explains, what do we mean the people of war? We don't mean people who just fought a battle, which might seem like that from the context of the Pasuk, but we mean the age. People of war means those people from age 20 and up because those are the ones that go out to battle, and therefore they are the ones that we are needing to make sure pass away so we can get our territory Israel because from any man outside of Shevet Levi, who was over 20 at the time of the Miraglim, fit to go out to war, they were the ones that could not enter Eretz Yisrael, and that took those 40 years for that generation to die in the Midbar. Okay, so we are not done, but I did say I would stop after 15 minutes, so we are almost-ish done, I don't know, but not, not enough to like feel if I did it for three more minutes we'd finish, so I guess we will stop at this point, and the rest, I guess, will be continued on your own.